0: bow your heads and pray with me. Gracious Father, we pray that you would send your Spirit upon us, that he would open up our hearts and our minds, our ears and our eyes. Lord, that we would see, hear and understand the precious Word that you have for us today. And Father, may we not be like the man that sees himself in the mirror and immediately forgets what he looks like when he walks away, but may we be people who can hear your Word And do what it says. This we pray in Jesus' most holy and precious name. Amen. Well, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What'd you have to give up to be here? This is not a special choir we have back here. Uh, You all uh, gave up uh, seats with everyone else. That, that's what you gave up to be here. So, you know, just, just appreciate, I mean, can you appreciate them, right, just a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> now, that's all good and fun, and they get to stare at Pastor Dyer the back of his head during a sermon. We'll see how that goes. Feel free to give me con- uh, feedback at some later time. But they basically get to stare at you, and I don't know how much that makes you nervous. Right? You're all thinking, man, I wouldn't want to sit up there, people looking at you the whole service long. But think about it. They get to see all of you. They get to see what I see during the sermon. All the yawns, all the little watch checks, all the checking a phone, mm-hmm. I don't know what you had to give up to be here. Uh, uh, maybe it was an extended afternoon of uh, football watching. There were some uh, bowl games on. Anybody have to give up watching a middle of a bowl game to get dressed and come ready? It's Jacob, right, mm-hmm, you weren't watching. Don't give me that. I mean, you had to give up... Uh, uh, Anything kind of significant along the ways of, how many of you freely gave up a couple hours of work to be here this afternoon? Just, just said, yeah, boss, I volunteer to do that. I will absolutely, you know, I'm going to sacrifice and go with family. Exactly. Okay. I don't know what you gave up to be here. Maybe you didn't give up anything, and maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's why it's too easy in American Christianity for people to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'll mark down on some uh, form. I'll, I'll take a survey and say, yeah, I'm spiritual. Absolutely, I'm spiritual. I believe that there is a God. I believe that there is a God of the universe. I believe that the world was created. Maybe, again, that's why it's so easy and so simple to be a Christian in the United States. There's no skin in the game. As a congregation, we've been reading through the book uh, Flesh by Hugh Halter, and as he finishes up the book, he remarks, he talks about the fact of this phrase, having skin in the game. It's a financial term. That's where we get it, is for those that say you own your own business, and if you don't have your own money invested in it, then it's said you don't have any skin in the game, and so it doesn't matter what kind of decisions you make, it's not going to cost you. And I sometimes wonder if that's exactly a great description of American Christianity. If the approach is is that, it's one, it's easy, I don't get made fun of too much. I mean, yeah, there's some news reports that are out that kind of make fun of Christians. And, well, if I just kind of stay under the radar, if I don't let too many people know that I'm a Christian, well, one, I can't be held accountable. Two, I won't ever be called a hypocrite because, quite frankly, I just act like everyone else. And so, if no one knows I'm a believer, then... No one will care what I do. Or maybe it's so easy to be a Christian in the United States without skin in the game because maybe our churches have just become too easy in and out of themselves. Maybe we don't ask enough. Maybe we don't ask you to step up. Maybe we don't actually say, hey, you know what it looks like? Maybe we haven't painted the picture. So that you don't know what it looks like to be a Christian. Maybe you don't know what it looks like to be day in and day out sold out for Jesus Christ. And you figure, well, that's just for the pastors. That's just for the... The people that work professionally in the church. There's no way that God would ever ask it of me. And maybe that's the issue. Maybe when we think about being a Christian and that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we've been in Sunday school, we've heard the sermons before, we know that what God has in store is transformation. And we go, oh, okay. You mean like instead of sleeping in on Sunday mornings and, uh, you know, the one day off, I don't have a lot of chores, I I can sleep in, have a leisure breakfast, Uh, I'll read the newspaper and get ready for the 11 o'clock kickoffs, right? And we think, oh, you mean transform, oh, you mean actually give up a Sunday morning. Well, sure, I'll, as long as it's done before kickoff at at 11, we're good, I, I will sacrifice that. But if that church starts to ask me to volunteer, or love people, or forgive people, or if, they, if that pastor starts to preach the gospel about Jesus Christ in such a way that he says, you mean my pocketbook should be transformed? You mean my marriage should actually reflect God's grace in my life? You mean how I treat my parents? The things I actually say or post about them would actually change? Yes, that's closer to what we're talking about. Yes, that's the kind of transformation that God is talking about. And maybe that's why we don't have a lot of skin in the game. Tonight, what we celebrate is an incredible amount of skin in the game. God creates the world incredibly well finely tuned I mean he's got the sunrise and sunset thing down pat water comes in and out moon effects all these things God has intricately made and what we sometimes forget is that he's intricately made you you understand that God is all in. I mean, he's got skin in the game because you know what he did is he created dirt. And he took his breath and he breathed into the dirt and he made you. And the psalmist says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Go ahead, look at the person next to you with a little twinkle in your eye and go, I am wonderfully made. (laughs) Now, some of you don't respond back, go, oh, I know. (laughs) I know. I mean, if you came to Christmas Eve service as a first date, I'm sorry, that was a little awkward. <laughs> but if you brought the boyfriend or girlfriend home to meet the rest of the family, it's a little awkward there, too. <laughs> Why, that guy had no problem saying he was wonderfully made. I, a little confidence issue we've got to bring down. But you are whether you believe it or not, whether the rest of the world tells you or not, whether you seem like you think you meet some physical standard or moral standard or spiritual standard, you are fearfully and wonderfully made And God has sent His Son. This is the skin in the game. He said, you know what? Sin entered the world and it's destroyed it. It's not the way I want it to be. I used to walk in the cool of the morning with Adam and with Eve. And man, everything in the Garden of Eden was awesome. And it was beautiful. And it was well put together. He said it was good. then when sin came in and destroyed all that God says wait I've got a plan I want to redeem that and I'm gonna send my son my own flesh and blood and I'm gonna send my son in this little baby form and he's gonna be wrapped in swaddling clothes and everyone's gonna go oh he's so cute and yet what Jesus came to do was to transform lives To take people in the midst of divorce and remind them, you're not alone, I'm with you. To take people who have lost jobs and to say, I will provide for you, don't worry. And for people who are sick and their bodies are decaying and it seems like cancer is winning, God reminds them, wait a minute, I am the great physician and I will either heal your body this side of heaven or you will be with me for eternity. You see, the kind of God that we proclaim and we we celebrate tonight is a God who is incredible at his job. And he thinks of you. In Acts chapter 17, this first section of scripture that we read tonight, we're reminded in verse 24 that God made the world and everything in it. And you know what? He doesn't live in temples. Built by man. But why is it, Christians, that we think that this, well, if there's gotta be an altar, there's gotta be some candles here, there better be a cross, dusted off, better be a Christ candle and a processional cross, and then it's advent. We better have some candles, we better have a pink one and three blue ones. We gotta have that. And if we've got a choir, we better have the choir. The cross better be lit, and this is where God is. And we think, this is the only place I have to watch my mouth. And this is the only place I'm supposed to think holy thoughts. And this is the only place I'm supposed to be uplifting and encouraging. As if they were th- this is the only place God lived. And He wants to transform those thoughts too. You know where He lives? He lives right here. He lives absolutely in each of our hearts. Friend of mine's daughter, her two-year-old checkup. Some of you have heard this story before. Maggie's her name. She walks in, the doctors kind of do these mental checkups when they're che- doing physical checks as well. Uh, do you know where your toes are? And she points down. You know where your knees are? Here. You know where your head is? Yeah. And he says, Do you know where your heart is? She points here, she goes, uh, yeah, this is where Jesus lives. ha. <laughs> she gets it. Do you? God does not just simply live in four walls. He desires an abiding relationship. That word abiding means to walk along with, to be consumed by. Maybe we don't have a lot of skin in the game because we can't fathom that God would want to be with me. I'm telling you, He does. He absolutely wants to be with you. You say, no, I don't measure up. I know Christians. I've heard them on Fox. I know how Christians are. And I don't measure up. I'm telling you, that is not the correct description of Christians. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Do you understand? You're here tonight not because you don't want to make mom angry. You're here because God has picked this time and in this place for you to be here. And that's the God we believe in. That he absolutely knows beyond a shadow of a doubt his desire for you. He knows his love for you. He knows where your heart is. He knows where your tendencies are. He knows even your greatest sin, your greatest foible, your greatest mistake, your greatest fears. He knows all of that. And yet he still loves you. God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not very far away. I want you to practice something and maybe we can even make this uh, make this come to life. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say these words. Go ahead and do it now. I see Jesus in you. Now see, some of you are laughing. (laughs) You're going, no you don't. (laughs) I was just yelling at you in the parking lot on the way here. See, I told you, we were late, we're not going to get a good seat. (laughs) I want you to know something. I do see Jesus in you. I see it in how he's made you and i see and i see great things for each and every one of you and none of you that i look at are perfect are they no, i mean they're not perfect are they <laughs> you're not perfect you see god didn't come for perfect people he came for broken people and hurting people lonely people and exasperated people he came for the hopeless and the sick he came for the hurting He came for those that don't look like everybody else, that don't act like everybody else. Jesus came for you. And I want you to understand how vitally important that is. Because when He wants to transform you, it's not because you're horrible. He wants to transform you because He's got great plans for you. He wants even better for you. He wants the best for you. And no, I don't always know what that is. I mean, I can point in Scripture, I can say, yeah, you know what? He wants to have all your heart, your mind, body, and soul thinking of Him, loving Him, serving Him. Yeah, absolutely, He, he wishes that you would tithe for Him in His kingdom so that His kingdom can expand before you paid the first bill, sure. But He's not going to smite you if you don't. And yes, he wants you to forgive your neighbor, the one that lets the dog on your lawn all the time, the one that drives by and never waves, the coworker that brings smelly lunches every day. He wants them too. You see, nobody's excluded here tonight. There is not a single person that has walked through these doors that God would say, them? Oh, no, no. I mean, thanks for showing up, but no. Every one of you. And see, his transformation, his idea for transformation, is all in. He doesn't want to just transform one part of your life. And see, maybe, again, that's why as American Christians, we get this idea of, well, you know, maybe I'll just start to go to church more regularly and God will leave me alone. No. Let me just tell you how it goes. You give him an inch, he takes a... Yeah, you think mile. It's like 10,000 miles. Because, again, it's not that you're so bad. It's that he wants better. He wants better. The first funeral that I performed was for a lady who'd been praying for her husband for 41 years to come to faith. They'd been married 41 years. And the week of his death, he called me in. He said, Pastor Dyer, I've never been in church. Do you think God could love me? And I said, absolutely. He goes, I'm not baptized I said, do you want to be? He said, well, don't I have to be? I said, well, if you want to be, let's get baptized. So we baptized him right there. Two days later, he took his last breath. It doesn't matter when you came to faith. You don't think God wants to transform marriages? One of the first counseling sessions I'd ever had as a pastor was with a couple that came in, and and this is how it seems to happen. They come in, they go, Well, we're we're not doing so well, we're thinking about divorce, and I'm like, No, don't get divorced. Let's let's pray, let's do some other, you know, and I'm trying to do stopgap measures, I feel like an EMT, right? Trying to stop the bleeding, and two weeks later they come back and they're like, We're getting a divorce. My heart was broken. And I remember asking them, look, come on, I just want you to know, will you pray about this some more? And they were like, no. And I said, well, I want you to know I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for a miracle. And they're like, good luck with that. And two years later, guess what? They came in, they asked for premarital counseling because they were going to get remarried. It was two years later. And it was a lot of junk, let me tell you. They had a lot to work through. But it's possible. And some of you have done some incredibly hurtful things to spouses and children, and you think, I'll never be forgiven. But I want you to know, you can be forgiven. And some of you have said incredibly spiteful, hurtful, and mean things, and you think, a person will never have anything to do with me ever again. And I'm telling you, that's how transformative God's grace is. It changes lives. And not just for heaven, I mean now. I mean you can face cancer and still have the joy of the Lord. It's possible. You can face foreclosure and a mountain of debt and still feel the peace that surpasses all human understanding. You can experience loneliness even in a house full of people and God will say, I will change that to the point where you will be flooded with my grace and love. Will you give him a chance? He's asking... For you to have skin in the game, which means, God, I don't just put a little bit, I step in completely. And I don't care if you've known Jesus your whole life. You know exactly where you're going. There are some of you that are still reticent. You're still holding on to some anchor part of your life. And God's going, let go of it. Come all in and watch what I do in our community. Watch what I do in your family. Watch what I do in this world. If we just had people. It would come all in with me. You see, the birth of Jesus Christ is exactly that. God's move, all in. And it wasn't enough that He was born. No, God took your sin and put it on Him and killed Him. So that He would die the death that you and I deserve. And yet He still wasn't done. He raised Him from the dead so that you know you can have eternal life. I hope that's a gift for some of you tonight, to know that you can't earn it. It's a present, a present for life now and life forever. Amen. And now may this word of the Lord strengthen your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until His return to take us all home. Amen.